Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for Christmas Day, December 25th, is Second Peter and Jude. Peter is writing to those who have received a faith equal to ours through righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. A faith equal to ours probably referring to his faith along with the faith of the other apostles and is saying to these people he's writing to, you believers, you ordinary Christians, your faith is equal to mine. It's equal to Paul's. It's equal to that of Barnabas and Titus and Timothy. Those of us who are traveling around, Luke and all of the others, your faith is equal to ours. Christianity is unlike any world religion in the sense that there is no real difference between the most famous, well-spoken, elevated leaders like Billy Graham or Charles Spurgeon and a brand new believer. We all have access to the same Holy Spirit. We all have the same faith being saved by God's grace. There's no division. Christians need to understand that God is calling us all to a heavenly ministry. There's nothing that Paul did that you can't do. Jesus himself said that we would do greater works than he did. If only we would believe him. His divine power has given us everything we need, both for this life and for godliness. How would our lives be different if we began? thanking him for everything he's given us and everything he's going to give us and developed within us a mindset that we have everything we need, both for this life and for the life to come. How do we prepare for that coming life? We are transformed into his image. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement to your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection supplement with love. If you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, it will prevent you from being unuseful or even unfruitful. Many people have walked away from the faith, walked away from the church because they feel as though they're not useful, like they're not needed. It makes a lot of sense that people would walk away from a lot of churches where they don't have an important role, or at least not one that's lined up with their gift set. But no one should walk away from the faith because the truth is you don't need a promotion or a title or a job description given to you by man in order to be fruitful and multiply in the kingdom of heaven. It is true when we don't contribute in a meaningful way, we don't feel useful. And after a while, we wonder why we're even at a specific place. And it leads us to start searching for somewhere else to find our meaning, to find ourself and how we can contribute in such a way to add value to other people and in doing so bring fulfillment to ourselves. 
This is why the most healthy and fulfilled people you will ever meet are also the ones who are most willing to help you in your time of need. They want to help you achieve the success you dream of, maybe the success that they've already attained, because they are genuinely happy people and they want to see other people be happy as well. In chapter 2, Peter warns that there will be false teachers among us and they will bring destructive heresies. One of the most destructive heresies is the idea that you can get saved by simply repeating a small prayer, ask Jesus into your heart, do it privately in the midst of a large crowd, so that no one will know and you won't be embarrassed. That produces a weak faith at best, and it can give people who aren't saved the false assurance that they have been, because they were told by a speaker if they said those magic words, they could be rescued from eternal damnation. Jesus requires repentance from sin. It requires elevating him to a position of authority, a position of leadership, where he gets to instruct us and tell us what to do. We follow him. Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, which is really a follower, they must pick up their cross and daily follow him. None of us do it perfectly, but the goal is to get better and better, to repent, to change, and to make him king, and to become like him. Chapter 2, verse 4, Peter writes, God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for judgment. Perhaps it's a misunderstanding in the church that demons are actually fallen angels. It seems to indicate in this chapter, and also in Jude, that the fallen angels who sin are currently in prison. Jude verse 6 says, The angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment on the great day. Maybe this is not referring to demons, and demons are not fallen angels. Genesis 6, 4 and Numbers 13, 31, I believe, both refer to the Nephilim, which is often translated as giants, sometimes translated as fallen ones. And that's what the word means in Hebrew. Nephilim is fallen or fallen ones. Regardless of who or what is around us, the false teachers, the seeming giants, those who are spiritually much stronger in appearance than we are, or maybe even physically, we are not to worry. If God could rescue righteous Lot out of Sodom, he could rescue you or me. Peter here says Lot is righteous. Just reading about Lot in Genesis, he doesn't appear righteous at all. And I've always wondered, why did Lot choose to live in the midst of that place that was so evil and wicked? The people of Sodom were vicious and violent. They raped people and killed them. Why did Lot want to live in such a place? 
And it occurs to me as we're reading through Second Peter here, perhaps Lot didn't want to be there, but that's what God had for him. We don't know, but we do know being there cost him everything. He was likely able to make a good living, at least financially, prior to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he left with nothing but the clothes on his back and his two daughters. Even his wife was lost. Let us not be like Lot if we can help it. Let's choose to surround ourselves with people who are holy and righteous, who will not drag us down and offend us, provoking us with their actions and their words. Let's be in the midst of people who are going to fan into flame the gift of God that's already within us. Let's choose friends who will inspire us to live holy lives. Chapter 3 talks about the day of the Lord. This is the day in which the Lord will return. And with very strong language, Peter writes, Don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord doesn't delay in keeping his promise, as some understand delay, but he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but wanting all to come to repentance. God is patient, and to God, one day is like a thousand years, and one thousand years are like a day. Interesting how Peter connects these two thoughts about a day and a thousand years and Jesus' return, and it is a hint at the idea that perhaps from eternity past, God ordained for the week of creation. Each day in the creation story accounted for us in Genesis represents 1,000 years and each 1,000 years of human history from the time that Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden until the very end of the millennial reign throughout Scripture from beginning to end, we have this idea. And as we are currently in 2024, nearing the end of the sixth day, it is coming close to the time that Jesus will return And on that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will melt. They will burn away. Even the air we breathe will cease to exist. All of creation will be reset and everything physical will disappear with violence and finality. The invisible force that holds atoms together will cease holding them together, and all of the elements will cease to exist. There will be a tremendous shaking, and every one of us who is still alive will be instantly set free from these physical bodies, and the eternal state of our souls will be revealed. Everything that's currently unseen will be seen and everything that is currently seen and touched and sensed, everything we perceive with our five senses will cease to exist. That will be a glorious day for a small minority of people, and it will be a terrible day for those who reject the truth. Therefore, dear friends, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight. 
Jude, a servant of Christ Jesus and a brother of James, likely a half-brother of Jesus as well, like James was, a child of Joseph and Mary, but not biologically a child of the Holy Spirit, instructs us to contend for the faith. Like in a wrestling match, we are to contend, we are to struggle for our faith, to protect it. Beware of these people who are relying on their dreams. Let's rely on the Holy Spirit. Let's rely on the scriptures. Let's rely on the promises of God. Let's not rely on our dreams. And let's be careful not to follow those who are relying on their dreams. Get this interesting glimpse of Michael the archangel wrestling or disputing with the devil about the body of Moses. And Michael, the archangel, did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against the devil. The God of this world who lies and kills and destroys, there's no one more evil than this devil. And yet, Michael the archangel did not slander him, did not say anything negative to him. He said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. But these people, these false teachers, blaspheme everything they do not understand. Let's not be like them. Let's not be like immature believers who make fun of and mock and blaspheme the things we don't understand. The world is much bigger than we could possibly wrap our little brains around. God's creation is much more vast than we can imagine. The teachings even of Scripture cannot be fully grasped by any human understanding. When someone is speaking the Word of God and you don't understand what they're saying, be careful. Don't condemn them. You might be inviting judgment on yourself. It is prideful to judge other people, and ignorance exposes the pride we have, the sin of pride, of arrogance, of thinking we're better than other people when we judge them in our hearts, and especially with our mouths. Jude also references the prophecy of Enoch. There is a book of Enoch out there. There are actually several of them, but they're not included in our Bibles in Western civilization. The first letter of Enoch, or the book of Enoch, is in the Ethiopian Bible and some others. I'm not sure what writing Jude is quoting here, but it's an interesting conversation to have. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you tomorrow.